Hey, what's up? And thanks for listening to the Give Me Understanding podcast. I'm the host, Aaron Dodson. And Psalm 119, verse 34, best describes this podcast. The psalmist wrote in the long ago, Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text, and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we can keep God's law and that we can observe it with our whole hearts. In this episode, I want to discuss sound doctrine. But I'm going to do that by examining a recent article written by a preacher in the church, Jack Wilkie. He has a website uh, through substack.com, and it's called Church Reset. And the title of a recent article dated January 18th, 2023, is titled, So You Think Your Doctrine is Sound. And then a subtitle, Are We Really Preaching the Whole Council? I think this is a very good article, and I'm going to read, uh, read this article and give some of my own thoughts and commentary, and I think that you uh, will be greatly benefited by it. From time to time, I come across uh, materials written by other people that I would like to share and give credit to whom credit is due, and also just, like I said, get that out there so that others who uh, listen to my podcast can see some things that I see that are out there, and it might uh, point you to some other materials that are available and be a blessing to you. In the meantime, let me just say, if you're uh, uh, able, uh, share my podcast with others, the Aaron J. Dodson podcast, which is hosted on Podbean, Spotify. I share it on Facebook as well. Uh, Help me, if you will, be the algorithm for me and get that out there. Um, I'm currently not uh, spending money to advertise it online. Uh, There may come a time when I do that, but right now I currently am not, and you will greatly help me in the uh, algorithms by being the algorithm that is sharing this so that others can see it and helping others find the same material that you perhaps found to be a blessing to you. So you think your doctrine is sound. Brother Jack writes, we in the churches of Christ have long placed a heavy emphasis on the concept of sound doctrine. By saying things like, we preach sound doctrine, is that a sound congregation? Or, you can trust that preacher, he's pretty sound. Even if you're unfamiliar with this kind of talk, you can discern from context that it has something to do with biblical consistency. Of course, biblical consistency should be a prerequisite for every church and every Christian, so this is all well and good. But what does it take to be considered sound? Typically, this terminology refers to correctness of doctrine. What does doctrine mean, then? It's often shorthand for teachings and regulations regarding church practice. The plan of salvation, worship style, and leadership roles are regular features. Divorce and remarriage, eschatology, end times, and a few other more specific debates are also often included. In short, it's generally reserved to the specific teachings that separate us from other groups. The ability to articulate why we stand where we do biblically and argue against competing stances is generally the measuring stick for whether one has sound doctrine. And don't get me wrong, that's important. 
There are two reasons this measuring stick comes up a foot or two short of a yard, though. And I'm going to pause right there in this article to share and amen the sentiments already expressed. We need to be aware as children of God, you know, what the word sound means. The idea is healthy. So sound doctrine, healthy doctrine, biblically speaking, would be the teaching that the Bible teaches, the teaching that Christ and the apostles taught that we ascertain from the writings of the New Testament. Uh, but we often use those terms. When we say he's a sound preacher, we often use that to refer to specific teachings that separate us from other groups. And, 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 and it's important to know why we are different from other groups and why, as a member of the Lord's church, I am a member of the Lord's church and not just any church, not just some denomination, etc. That, that's important, very important. The ability to articulate why we stand where we do biblically, that's important. But often the word sound doctrine or sound preacher, sound church, is limited to the truths, the specific doctrines that we argue, that we teach from Scripture when when arguing against false doctrines that are very common. We often find ourselves teaching the doctrines of baptism and the one church and the plan of salvation, you know, scriptural sound worship under the new covenant. All these things are essential. All these things are extremely important. But if we limit the idea of sound doctrine to only those doctrines that separate us from other groups. We're missing something. Because everything that is taught in the New Covenant is doctrine. And when we teach it, it's doctrinal preaching. Even if other groups agree with that truth. I think in the church sometimes we're scared of that. Do we realize, though, that there are people in denominations who do believe and teach some truth, some truth that we believe and teach because the Bible teaches them? Now, back to the article. Jack says, there's two reasons this kind of measuring stick, okay? Sound doctrine, he says, is generally reserved, that idea, to the specific teachings that separate us from other groups. The ability to articulate why we stand where we do biblically and argue against competing stances is generally the measuring stick for whether one has sound doctrine. And don't get me wrong, he writes, that's important. There are two reasons this measuring stick comes up a foot or two short of a yard, though. First, and this is what I want my listeners to, 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 to pay close attention to. First, this results in an overemphasis on our distinguishing doctrines and an underemphasis on the rest of the Bible. That's so important. 
Every Sunday, he writes, thousands of baptized Christians sit in rooms without an instrument to be found to hear sermons on the importance of baptism or why we worship with a with, with acapella singing. Sure, those things are important, he writes, and the, and, and the occasional refresher is needed, but it's time to move on to meet. And then he writes this, quote-unquote, playing the hits does not equal the totality of, quote-unquote, sound doctrine. And I'll pause there. I think I know what he means. Preaching the things that we already agree on or that we've already had a series on in that particular year, repeating those things over and over is an easy way to overemphasize our distinguishing doctrines such as baptism for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38, the one church, Matthew 16.18, scriptural worship, John 4.24, all essential doctrines. Don't misunderstand me. But are we, by overemphasizing these distinguishing doctrines that others do not teach, sadly they do not teach correctly, we are placing an underemphasis on the rest of the Bible whether we intend to or not. And playing the hits does not equal the totality of sound doctrine. Second, he says, he writes, and I continue with his writing, second, we forgot to ask the Bible how, to, how it would define sound doctrine. Let me say that again because I kind of bobbled around there. Second, we forgot to ask the Bible how it would define sound doctrine. We might be surprised when we see the Holy Spirit use the term differently than we do. Paul used the word didaskalia, typically translated doctrine or teaching, 15 times in the 13 combined chapters of First and Second Timothy and Titus alone. Didasko and paranegalo, two verbs translated instruct, prescribe, or teach, occur a combined 10 times. Written to two evangelists who were tasked with teaching the house law of God to the church in Ephesus and Crete, respectively. These letters tell us exactly what the Bible considers sound doctrine. I'm going to pause there on this article. And I want to look at a few of the verses that he mentions. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4. And to get this one, 1 Timothy 1 Verse 4, I'm going to read verses 3 and 4. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, that would be Paul writing to Timothy, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. And then chapter 3 of the same letter, verse 15 I'll read verses 14 and 15 together to grab the full thought here. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So he's writing there and he says, look, I've written you God's house rules. And they're, 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 they're all important. They're all important. 
is the is the idea here. Okay, now back to the article. Jack says, Paul certainly included the kinds of teachings we label as doctrine. Throughout the three books, First and Second Timothy and Titus, he discusses true and false teaching on elders and male leadership. That would be First Timothy 2, First Timothy 3, salvation, the law, and the like. And he does. But he also took it much, much farther than just matters of the church. To him, doctrine was a general term for the teaching of the church, which is to govern every part of Christian life. We're given instructions on various sins, how women are to act submissively, abstain from gossip and intemperance, and work as keepers in the home, how the church is to support widows, how masters and slaves were to act, finances, and what to say to those who are rich and those who aren't but want to be, specific teachings for older men, older women, younger men, and younger women, and the call to do good deeds. These are the real-world, everyday kinds of things people were dealing with in Ephesus and Crete. When they came together to hear doctrinal teaching, they left knowing how to better follow Christ Monday through Saturday. It's not hard to believe that if written to the church in Kansas City or Tampa today, there would be significant overlap, though perhaps the sections for slaves and masters might be dropped and topics using uh, topics like using social media and voting might be added. Think about it for a second, Jack writes. If somebody got up and preached on the sin of being lovers of self or about a man's God-given mandate to provide for his own, would anybody call it doctrinal preaching? Probably not, but we should probably start. He makes this note next. By limiting our scope of quote-unquote sound doctrine largely to matters of the church, we've taught Christians that Christ's rule is primarily concerned with what happens inside the four walls of the church building. Our people might not know how to lead as a husband, submit as a wife, apply their faith to current issues, or help their teen out of a porn addiction. But boy, howdy, they're sure going to know 15 ways to argue against mechanical instruments of music and worship. As a result, we've come to a time in which only 6% of self-identifying Christians actually have a Christian worldview, according to researcher George Barna. The church is in decline both in number and in cultural presence. We're patting ourselves on the back for our rightness, right into oblivion. Why has it come to this? Why do we spend so much time on doctrines we already know and accept and so little on the nitty-gritty, practical details that affect our everyday lives. That will be the focus of next week's article. Be sure to subscribe, and that's the end of the article. I think this is a wonderful article, and I think it draws out some things that we need to really be thinking about, that we can't limit our scope of sound doctrine to just matters of the church. If, in, if we do that, when we've done that, if we're doing that, we're teaching our people, our brethren, 
or teaching Christians in the assembly that Jesus' rule is primarily concerned with what happens inside the four walls of the church building. And so we know things that are important that pertain to what happens in the church building. Those things are important. But we don't know how to lead as a husband or submit as a wife. We don't know how to apply our own faith to current issues. We don't know how to help our members out of alcohol addictions or pornography addictions or drug addictions. We don't know how to deal with people on a daily basis, but but we have a commentary or a book on our shelf or we know by heart, you know, 15 ways, as he says, to argue against mechanical instruments of music and worship. So here's some things that I want to say. His article covers a wide, broad uh, facet of things. And I can't speak for Jack. I've never even met him personally, but I know he's a brother in Christ. He's a faithful evangelist. You should check out material he puts out online. He's got two other guys with him that, that, that do a podcast called Think Deeper, and I've listened to several of them. They're very good. They're very biblical and very helpful. And I, I would ask you to... You know, if you want more material, go over there and, and, and check check their podcast out. You can find it everywhere online. Podbean, Spotify, uh, iTunes, and other places, I'm sure. The things that he has written, we need to keep in mind. These things are true generally all over. It could be that some congregations excel in teaching doctrinal truths that are not limited to, uh, you know, being about the church itself, like as far as the church assembly or the church collective, but the church individually for our lives, you know, Sunday night after services through the next Sunday morning when we come together. I want to go back and just for a, a few minutes, look at some passages that he mentions, uh, how we're how Paul gave instructions to Timothy and Titus on various sins, and they're styled as doctrinal, as doctrine. Again, 1 Timothy 1.3, he says, I want you to stay in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. And in the same chapter, verse 9, verse nine, he says, Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. And if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. So here are some areas where if we, if and when, and we should and we must preach on these subjects about living by God's law, about not being insubordinate, about being godly and not ungodly, about not living the life of a sinner, but the life of a saint, about holiness and unholiness, not profaning God's things, about murder, about uh, manslayers, about fornication, about sodomy, about kidnapping, about lying, about perjurers. These things, verse 10, 1 Timothy 1.10, are contrary to sound doctrine. When we preach those things, we are preaching the doctrine, sound doctrine, Maybe it's been a while since we've heard those things preached in the assembly where we meet and where we worship. We need to make sure we're not overlooking those things. And the next letter over uh, to the same person from the same person, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Listen to this. 2 Timothy 3, 
verses 1 through 9, but know this, that in the last days perilous or difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, the word can mean irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captive of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be made obvious or manifest to all, as theirs also was. So here's a, a long list of various sins that are not to be characteristic of the life of the child of God. And this kind of preaching and teaching needs to be done, and it's considered preaching the truth and doctrine for the health sound doctrine, healthy doctrine for the health, the spiritual health of the church. We need to preach about not being lovers of self. That's a doctrinal subject. Not being lovers of money. And oh, there is so much of that today in the church. Boasters, and there are boasters. Proud, and there is pride in the church. Blasphemers, there are people who speak against God and God's things, even in the church disobedience to parents. This is something that needs to be taught, that we must not be disobedient to our parents as children. Unthankful. Gratitude is a doctrinal subject. Unholy. Again, holiness. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, self-control, people that are brutal, despisers of good. All these, when preached upon, when condemned, and when the godly counterpart is upheld, this is doctrinal preaching. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. All of these, all of these are important. But also in First Timothy, we have instructions on how women are to act submissively. This is doctrinal preaching, and we're familiar with this, at least most of us. First Timothy 2, 8 through 15. First Timothy 3, 11. First Timothy 5, 14 to 15. Titus 2, 3 through 5. But also, what about this one? How the church is, a, is to support widows. 1 Timothy 5, verse 3 through 16, in my judgment, is overlooked. But these are doctrines that God has taught the church to follow, to obey, to adhere to. 1 Timothy 5, 3, and following, honor widows who are really widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasure or indulgence is dead while she lives. And these things command that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported for good works, if she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work, but refuse to enroll, that is, the younger widows, 
For when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry, having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies saying things which they ought not. Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some have already turned aside after Satan. If anyone, if any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve or give aid to them. And do not let the church be burdened that it may relieve those who are really widows. Now, I'm not going to go through a, a close exegesis of that, but I read that because I, in my judgment, this is something that that that, that probably is is pretty commonly overlooked, supporting the widows. And the, the word is used twice in here about them being on the roll, them being paid, supported regularly. You know, when we tend to think about helping widows, we think about going and cut their grass or rake their leaves or roof their house maybe once in their lifetime or something. And those are good things when they're needed. But sometimes there are widows indeed, they're really widows, First Timothy 5, 3, they, they don't have family taking care of them, and they need monthly support. And that's doctrinal. That's sound doctrine to do so. The behavior of masters and slaves in the first century, how they were to act, that's a doctrinal subject. 1 Timothy 6, 1 and 2. Listen to 1 Timothy 6, 1 and 2. Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. Wow. So that the name of God and his doctrine, see that? His doctrine may not be blasphemed. So in the first century, if you were a slave, how is it that God's doctrine is not blasphemed by your life? Well, bond servants, slaves, are under the yoke, that are under the yoke, are to count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. Wow. That's doctrinal preaching and that's that's sound, that's healthy teaching. Yes. And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Teach and exhort these things. Wow. And then there is teaching on finances and what to say to those who are rich and to those who are not rich, but they want to be rich. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10 addresses the doctrinal preaching that needs to be taught to the whole church, because there's always a temptation, especially in America, but probably other places as well. We may not be rich in our own minds, but we want to be, or we want to have more money. How many times have you thought, if I just had a little bit more money? Now, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have, have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And then the same chapter, 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19. Doctrinal teaching, sound doctrine, Needs to be taught, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. 
And there's also specific teaching, doctrinal, healthy teaching for older men, older women, younger men, and younger women. 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2 is an example. Timothy was told, Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Exhort the younger men as brothers. Exhort the older women as mothers. Exhort the younger women as sisters with all purity. So here, here are passages that when taught and when followed in faith and obeyed, members are not committing fornication with one another. You won't have youth preachers and preachers committing fornication with their secretary or with an elder's wife or, or, or etc., or a youth preacher with one of the younger girls in the youth group. Again, healthy, sound doctrine that must be taught. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, in my estimation is... I'm not trying to be negative, folks, but I have not heard Titus 2, 1 through 8 taught as often as I have baptism or, or acapella singing or the, the, the organization, the government of the church, and those things are important. Don't turn this off and say, he's just belittling those things. No, I'm not. I'm calling for balance. The subtitle of this article, the, the title is, So You Think Your Doctrine is Sound. The subtitle is, Are We Really Preaching the Whole Council? And, and, and that idea comes from the words of Paul that he said to the elders of the church at Ephesus, Acts chapter 20, verse 26 and 27. Therefore, I testify to you, that was to the elders at Ephesus this day, that I am innocent or clean of the blood of all. For I have not shunned, that is, I have not avoided declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Again, these passages that I'm mentioning that Jack lists are all have all been within first and second Timothy and Titus. And Titus deserves its time as well. Titus chapter two, verses one through eight. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. The Holy Spirit specifically says what I'm about to say through Titus right here is sound doctrine. What is it? Instrumental music? No. Baptism? No. Hit healthy doctrine for the church, people that are already baptized. Listen, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith and love and patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works and doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. But then there are things that touch into the realm of politics as well. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and this is doctrinal teaching, verses 1 through 4. Therefore I exhort or encourage, first of all, that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, all people, for kings and for all who are in authority, that we may, be, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men, all people, to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 
and then Titus chapter 3. This will be my final reading, Titus 3, verses 1 and 2. God's Word needs to get a word in edgewise. Good deeds and behaving in the realm of civil government when it doesn't command us to do things that are sinful, obviously, Acts 5.29. Paul commanded Titus to command them on the island of Crete, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one. Can you imagine if, if, if you're the preacher where you are got up this Sunday and the sermon revolved around this phrase, not speaking evil of anyone or speaking evil of no one. I wonder how many people would say, you know, that's a, that's a boy, he preaches sound doctrine. That's sound doctrine. To be peaceable. What if there was a sermon on peace? Is that sound doctrine? Yes. Gentle, we're to be gentle to all. What if we preached a sermon on gentleness? Is that, is that preaching sound, healthy doctrine? Yes. Showing all humility to all people. Is that sound doctrine? Yes, that's sound doctrine. And chapter 3 is full of good deeds, how we're to be people full of good deeds. Verse 8, be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. So let's consider some of these things together in closing. Again, the highlights of this particular article. What does it take to be considered sound? The areas wherein God has spoken. Whatever the gospel, the New Testament teaches, these are healthy teachings because they are from God. They are found in the inspired text of God's Word. But if we only focus or if we spend too much time on and, and, and overemphasize distinguishing doctrines, we will invariably, inevitably, I should say, be placing an underemphasis on the rest of the Bible. And, and I get it. I, I know why we preach on baptism so often. Part of the, or at least some of the reasons. Part of it is because so few believe it, so few accept it, so few have obeyed it. I, I, I get that. But we need to be balanced. The totality of the New Testament is not baptism. The New Testament teaches baptism, its, its purpose, its, its importance and its necessity. But there are many verses in the New Testament that are not explicitly about baptism that are just as important, that are sound doctrine. And so we need to let the Scriptures define what is sound doctrine. Well, the things that are sound doctrine are the things that Christ and the apostles taught. We have that in the text. We do need to ascertain it. We read through and we realize, okay, this is something that's just re recorded as a matter of fact. This is actually something that God, through Paul or through Peter, or through James, through Jude, you know, through uh, one of these uh, apostles or prophets, has commanded that we that we abide by. I, I get that, and, and I think many of my many of my listeners do as well. But I think this article. What it emphasizes, if we limit our scope of sound doctrine largely to matters of the church, we've taught Christians that Christ's rule is primarily concerned with what happens inside the four walls of the church building, and we will be imbalanced. We won't know how to live a life as a Christian away from the building. We will not know how to lead as a husband or submit as a wife or serve as an elder or serve as a deacon or serve as a preacher or as a Bible class teacher. 
uh, as a servant who provides meals for others and, and visits people in their home. And we want to know how to help our, our children, and our young people with, with dating and lust and fornication and, and, and pornography and drugs and, and other things such as that. Again, all of God's Word is important. We don't need to overemphasize anything. We need to strive for balance. If we would just preach, and I'm going to give my pitch real quick as I close, for expository sequential, sequential expository preaching. Sequential means section by section, you know, unit by unit, chapter by chapter, book by book. When we do that, we are far less likely to leave doctrines out that need to be taught, preached, believed, upheld, and or obeyed and upheld, period. But when we constantly jump from verse to verse, letter to letter, look over at this verse, look over at that verse, look over at this verse, look over that verse, and we don't also have a steady diet of sequential expository teaching and or preaching. And one of the ways that I am trying to fulfill what I'm saying and accomplish what I'm saying in my local work, the local ministry in which I'm involved, is on Sunday nights when the cream of the crop is back. Recently, we've been going unit by unit in order of 1 Corinthians. And I have preached through a number of the letters on Sunday night in the four and a half, time, four and a half years uh, that I have been here uh, at the Washington Avenue Congregation, and I did that uh, purposely. And I want people to know that, that I'm not just doing a podcast and, and trying to get somebody told. This is something that I have striven to practice so that we can cover everything that is doctrinal, all the teaching, healthy teaching is gospel teaching, New Testament teaching. I have, in the time I've been here, I've preached through Ephesians, First and Second Thessalonians. First, excuse me. I've preached through Titus, Philemon, James, First and Second Peter. I've preached Jude, and I think a few others that I'm doing this on the spot. I think I might be leaving out a number of these. And now I'm going through some of the larger, larger letters. I've taught Hebrews in a Bible class setting here, section by section. And now on Sunday nights, we're looking at 1 Corinthians. I'm looking at, in the future, Lord willing, uh, preaching and or teaching from one of the gospel accounts uh, so that we can get a balanced diet from that. So I hope, I hope you got something out of this. Uh, if, you're, if you stayed with me this, this long, God bless you. Uh, the article uh, that I uh, read from today and gave my own thoughts and commentary uh, is called, So You Think Your Doctrine is Sound?, Church Reset by Jack Wilkie. And you can find that. I'm sure if you Google that, you'll find it. Uh, he has his writing blog through substack.com. You can go there, I think, and, and find uh, his material. I think it's, yes, here it is. It's churchreset.substack.com if you want to find his page, his blog. I guess that's what, I guess that's what he calls it. But anyhow, I appreciate Jack and, and others, uh, though I have not met him personally. I appreciate him and others uh, that do the work with Focus Press and uh, the Think Deeper podcast. So check them out. There's some good material available there. Thank you so much for listening to the Give Me Understanding podcast. And if you enjoy this, please do me a favor and share it with others. 
God bless and catch you next time.